Hi everyone, thank you for joining me on another episode of I'm Probably Wrong About Everything. On today's podcast, we have Trevor Collins sharing with us the process of writing a novel, putting it together, some of the habits that have helped him in successfully completing some of his work. He has three novels that he's completed, one of which has been self-published, that you can get today for free on Kobo called uh, DK Theory. You can read that on any digital app that you have, and another one that he's looking to get published uh, currently. So it was a great chat, and I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. Trevor Collins here today, and we're going to talk about uh, writing and and his his take on the writing process. He's going to tell us a little bit of some of the stuff that he's worked on. Um, so Trevor, thank you for having me today. Thank you for the Monster Energy Drink. Hey, you got it, man. I'm always spying. Yeah. <laughs> My dog, Kona, is also joining us today, so she might have things to say. So, how do you come up with your, your ideas for writing? Um, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote here. Actually, I got this quote from Brandon Sanderson, who's a famous fantasy author. He got the quote from someone else. I can't remember who. It escapes me at the moment. But his, basically what he says is... quoting I, a quote. Quoting a quote. Yeah. Paraphrasing a quoting of a quote. Right. Uh, he basically says, ideas are cheap. And... When I first started writing, um, like seriously, like actually sitting down and writing books, um, this isn't something I, I knew at the time or even thought about. I thought you needed this like crazy, you needed this huge plan mm. and stuff. But you like if you really think about it, um, and we can talk about this a little later about writing process and what goes in. If you're a professional writer, you're an author, you're writing books, you're putting out a book every year or whatever. You can't sit there and take a year or two years or three years to come up with these crazy ideas. Right. You can come up with something very simple. And, <clears throat> and um, again, Brandon Sanderson actually talks about this in one of his lectures, which is available on YouTube. Um, he goes, he, he looks at his audience and goes, you give me one idea real quick and you give me another idea. And basically it comes down to this. He goes, <clears throat> someone says, uh, Roman Empire. And the other one says, Pokemon. And then he goes, all right. And there's actually a book. It's, uh, it's. I can't remember who it's by. It's called the Something Codex or something. Right. And that's basically what the book is. Right. That 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 right. is what inspired that idea for the book. Just one or two simple ideas. Oh, boom. And then he put the book together. But you, the thing is, is you have a lot more going on in the book, and you have you you want to create good characters, and that's what drives your story. And that stuff is arguably way more important than the actual idea itself. Have you heard of the hero's journey? Yep. That this kind of, uh, you look at Harry Potter, Star Wars, mm-hmm. Lion King, yep. love that movie. And there's this, there's this kind of static, like, here they are, they're a normal person, they discover, uh, you know, a yep. mythical pole or whatever. They become super, they enter this underground world, mm-hmm. Homer's Odyssey, mm-hmm. right? Or they actually die and get reborn. Sure, right? Yeah. There's this period of death, rebirth. Mm-hmm. They come out of it and then they return back to their normal life, but they have that journey with them. Yeah. Every amazing story that we look at follows a similar pattern. A lot of them. A, a lot of them. Yeah. 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 Is, is that something that you incorporate? Is this hero's journey into your... Um, well, nothing, nothing really that I've written so far. Um, some, like, if, for creative writing, if you actually take classes or um, attend lectures or anything from from writers or people that are professors in writing or whatever, hmm. uh, English professors. Um, that is something they might actually talk about. 
And there's actually, there's other, uh, we call it like an outline of, of your story. Um, one of them, actually, that doesn't fall into the hero's journey is, um, it's kind of like your your sports team type thing um, where you have this, it, like Airbud. You You have this, this, this person who's potentially socially outcast, maybe handicapped. They're unable to be on the team or part of the group. And then they kind of find their way and then they prove to everyone that they can through other means. So that that's another outline of a story. But but that is similar to this hero's journey. It could be, yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, like uh, some advice you could give someone that's wanting to construct a story is you could here's an example right. of a hero's journey. Yeah. You can you can kind of look at that and use that to outline your own story. Um, I don't really do that. Right. I, I I already wrote books before I even thought about that. How long How long have you been writing for? Um. I'll say I started writing really early, um, but not so. I have a, a, a really weird history of writing. I kind of started getting ideas and writing stuff down. I have like my little journal. I have so many of these little notebooks everywhere that it, they don't even make sense to me anymore. Right. Um, I would say I probably started writing stuff down um, in my late teens, early 20s. Um, uh, a fan, the very first book I ever wrote is a fantasy book um, called The Ancients of Seasons. Um, I started getting the idea or the premise for that book, um, probably around 20, maybe 19. Uh, I wrote down like a chapter at some point, but I didn't actually start writing that book until I was about 24. Um, I, I remember it was like my last year in university is when I actually wrote, I sat down and I started writing. Um, but then again, I didn't even finish it until I was like 26. And I think about that time where I actually started sitting down seriously writing that book is what I would consider my writing, I don't, I don't want to call it a career yet, but like that, that is when I started, right. I think. So about 26, I'm almost 31, so about five years, I'd say I've been, been writing. Consecutively. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because it, it sounds like uh, you describe it as, you know, you don't wait for inspiration, you just start writing. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's the act of doing it daily. Yeah, and that's actually a good point. Um, I think a lot of people have this um, this view of writing that it is inspirational, and I, I kind of want to debunk that myth right here because <laughs> I, I don't think inspiration plays zero part in what you're writing. Um, for instance, if we're talking about like a nonfiction, let's say your your friend's great grandma was an Auschwitz survivor, and you heard her story, and you're like, "Wow, that is great! I need to write this." That, that is a genuine inspiration to get that idea to write that. But then from there on out, I don't think inspiration plays a part anymore. You have to have routine. You have to, you have to practice. You know, writing is a craft and it's a skill and it's a discipline. Inspiration accounts for such a small percentage of your process to actually finish and write that book. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as where ideas come from and stuff, yeah. Yeah, like I said, ideas are cheap. I can just I can just be driving home from work and be like, oh, that's a cool idea. Boom. And I'll start writing something. So how did Stephen King become Stephen King? Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, like you said, ideas are cheap. That mm-hmm. guy can make a story out of anything. Mm-hmm. How did he become the most successful fictional writer of all time? Well, I would say you probably want to grab his uh, biography for that one. <laughs> but... <laughs> um, but uh, I could I could make a couple points. I mean, you got to start somewhere. You right. got you got to you got to put your first book. I can't remember what his very very first. He did write some um, some short stories and stuff very early on, um, and and that's important. And 
writing, writing in general, it's like anything, right? It's like going to the gym and, and getting some gains. You can't just do it here and there. If you, you actually get your want, reps in. Exactly. You got you got to do it consistently. It's got to become routine. And then you get better. And then you start seeing improvement. And then you get stronger. And then you can put on more gains. And it's I like to look at it similar to writing. Um, I've written technically three books now. Um, I'm a lot better than I was when I, very, when I first started. And I know I have a long way to go. Like, I, I, know, I know some authors... So there's actually a statistic here. Um, authors who are currently published and sell books, on average, write four books before the first one gets published. Um, and there's cases of, of really famous authors who wrote a dozen books before they actually started selling any. So you got to think, that's how many years and how many times you've written a book before you started seeing your craft improve, before you, you could sit there and go, or maybe not you, but other people start going, wow, this is actually good work. Um, so yeah, it's a, definitely a process. So going back to the Stephen King question, I would say that that's probably a huge part of it is he was just writing. And I know, um, I don't know how long they went in tandem with each other, but he was a teacher, right? He had a day job. He did it on the side, like a lot of authors. Um, so yeah, I would say he just he kept working at it. Um, maybe a good idea came on top of when his craft was improving and then they kind of went hand in hand together. Um, and that idea, whatever, if it was, I can't remember if it was like misery or one of his very first books, um, good idea on top of good writing. Right. And that's, that's where it takes off. It's not so many people. And, and I think this ties into just motivation in general, but so many people are like, yeah, I'm going to do that tomorrow. Right, yeah. and I mentioned before that procrastination mm -hmm. is Latin for of tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, you said today. Yes, right, and we're waiting for we're waiting for things to do it for us, mm -hmm. which is why I have so much more admiration for the people who are in the arena, you know, than the spectators that criticize them. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, let's see you write a better book. Okay, I'll I'll get right on mm -hmm. that. Right. So. Um, the point I'm trying to make is it really, like Michael Jordan didn't just wait for inspiration to become the greatest basketball mm -hmm. player of all time. Yeah. Right? The other thing is, is that when you write that book that's published, right, it's interesting because then all the other stuff that you've written before, people want to now consume that. Mm -hmm. So it's this weird kind of effect. Yeah. Is that is, is that true, would you say? Um, yeah. Um, I mean, in, in my case, my, the stuff I've written before, if, if some, um, my, my self-published book right now, DK Theory, which is right. av available on Kobo.com. Yeah. Um, if people read that and were like, wow, I really like this. And I do have some other stuff that I've written. I have some short stories and stuff. And if that were available, I'd be like, I think this stuff's kind of bad, but, right. <laughs> but it, it, yeah, um, I think part of part of what you said goes back to you want to see the the roots or the origins and you want you want to see other stuff like when I when I um what's an example I guess um yeah I, I think that's pretty common like if you read the Harry Potter books or or if you read the Lord of the Rings and you never read the Hobbit you'd be like oh I know there's another book by did the Hobbit come out before the Lord of the Rings yeah I uh, I yeah I think so I think the Hobbit was the first right um Yes, I believe so. 
And that's pretty interesting because The Hobbit is not nearly as good as Lord of the Rings, right? But mm-hmm. kind of like the movies, it's like, well, that made a ton of money. Yeah. Let's now make these prequels. Mm-hmm. The prequilogy. Yeah. That wasn't very good. And <laughs> yeah, to yeah, make yeah. more money, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's just my yeah. stance on the thing. But it's interesting that, yes, we 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 love what an author's doing. And then it's like music, yeah. right? You hear a few songs and then you want to check out their other albums. You check out their their catalog, mm-hmm. right? Like Megadeth. You know, you hear a new song, you're like, whoa. And then you hear the old stuff and you're like, that was really good, yeah. right? Thrashing, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting how, you know, we wait for that big break. But then once we get that break, mm-hmm. that's like a mass effect, right? Like everything becomes... yeah. Something and, that and, and, and just uh, as, a, as a sidebar point, that the thing with like arts or anything in music, writing, um, you, you really don't know if we're just talking about like when something takes off. Right. Like uh, those, you, you know, you're, you're, you write a book and then boom, it blows up overnight. Yeah. You really have no idea that's going to happen. And you, you could, and there's a lot of authors, if we're talking about creative writing out there, that... I, I'll read a book by them and I'll be like, wow, they actually have like 40 books and I've never even heard of this person. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, and that's, that's how it starts. Right. And then you might read their other stuff and be like, hey, you might not like it. It might be different. Right. But then you be like, I really like this author. I want to check out all their other stuff. Um, and yeah, that's, we have no idea how that's going to happen. Right. It could just, just blow up overnight. And then you maybe wrote, wrote 15 books and you're kind of just doing okay. And that one book just kind of seals the deal. It, it really kickstarts your career or whatever. And, and it's interesting because, like you're describing, there's not a formula for success, right? You don't know what's going to catch on. Yeah. Well, I would, I would say that uh, there's probably books out there that would argue that there is formula for success. Sure. And I think there's, there's a point where, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier about discipline and routine. If you're trying to make a career out of writing books... Um, which is something I'm trying to do. You gotta, well, you gotta keep at it, mm-hmm. um, even in the face of adversity and failure and criticism. Which anybody that knows anything about putting their work out there for an audience, that's just a reality you have to face. Um, but yeah, you gotta keep at it. You can't, you can't just write one book and be like, "All right, I'm done. I'm probably gonna make millions now." <laughs> like right. that, that, that you're in the 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 less than one percentile of people that happens to. Um, so yeah, like as far as a formula for success would be to keep going, to keep doing it and keep pushing. Um, but that's really, I think that's really probably about it. Um, you can always try to better yourself, improve yourself, read more books, learn more about the market. You can, you can do things that can improve your chances, but again, like you, and, um, I'll use music as an example because I, I play music, I write music, um, something I learned really early on is there's people out there that are so good at the guitar. They're just like, like I could be as good as them if I tried and pushed and for years later, you know what I mean? But they're so good and no one even knows who they are. Mm. They, they, they do that on the side. They, they work at Starbucks. They, and it's like, they have such talent, but they're not getting any recognition. And that's just a reality that anybody that's an artist has to face too. Right. You could be famous in a year. You could spend your whole life doing it and not really make it anywhere. Yeah. Which is, it's, it's a sad truth, but it is the truth. <laughs> I, I like what you said about, you know, you can't just do this one thing and then think it, it, it. 
again, it's similar to goals in anything. Like if you have a goal to lose, I want to lose five pounds. Mm-hmm. You lose five pounds, but then you gain it again. Yeah, because, that happens to a lot of people. <laughs> right, because the goals aren't consistent. It's like a check and then you're done. Mm-hmm. Which is why we need to go for bigger goals. And I've, I, I read this book, Atomic Habits, easy to read book. And there's one thing that really stuck out and it's about, we have to have goals that are part of our identity, right? So instead of saying, I want to lose five pounds, which is like a checkpoint, you're done. It's, I want to live a healthier lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And then you lose the five pounds and then you lose five more. Mm-hmm. And then you're at a healthy weight that you're just maintaining. But because that's who you are as a person, you're able, it's your identity. You're able to maintain mm. it. So what would you say your goals are? Um, well, for me, so I have a hard time. A lot of people have this idea that writing a book um, is challenging, which it is. But I think once, once and I, I would say a lot of authors, a lot of um, fiction author, authors agree on this, is you write your first your first draft and then it's the second and third draft that are actually the hardest. Mm. Those require the most amount of discipline. Um, You have to make tough decisions. They call it killing your babies where you'd have to go, okay, what's not working in this book? I wrote this character. I'm kind of attached to them, but they just, maybe they're not working. This process at at this stage in your book writing process is very challenging. And so you have to get rid of whole sections that have a character. Yep. And a a lot of, uh, so as far as like formulas go, what a lot of authors do, and this is kind of where I'm at right now is you write your first draft and then you sit there and go, is this any good? And a lot of authors write books and they go, this is kind of crap. And they scrap it and they start a new project. Because from there on out, you're committing a lot of time and energy to drafting and revising that book now. Um, a lot of authors draft their book five, six, seven, even ten times before it's a finished product. And a lot of people don't know this. They think that you write a book, you edit it up a few times, and you're good. And that's that's just not reality. There are authors. I actually read an interview from a, from a, a newly published author. Um, she said she wrote her book, and that was it. I would say that happens almost never. That is, and was this a fiction or a nonfiction book? Um, I think it was a literary fiction book, right? Um, okay. Or or a historical fiction or something like that. Yeah. It's it, she wrote it about something where she grew up and right. Um, I didn't read the book, but I just read her interview. But that that is so rare. Yeah, that, that just doesn't happen in reality. It might happen here and there, but that's it's just that's like a fluke. Um, because even you, even the best authors in the world, we mentioned Stephen King, um, it, a lot of these these authors, famous authors, uh, will write a draft, their very first draft, their run-through of their book. They'll even say it's garbage. Like the writing quality is crap. And that's because you're just trying to get through it, right? You're trying to get all your ideas down. You're trying to construct your chapters. You're trying to make ends meet. But your first run-through is not your final product. And... For me now, the hardest point is, like, I just finished a book, um, so I'm kind of in my, my second draft phase right now, which is challenging, and um, I try to s- stick to a writing routine, which can be hard, because I work nine hours a day, five, five days a week at my other job, so I s- sometimes just don't feel like writing, but I'll sit down and I'll go, ah, oh, man, I just wrote this book, and I was excited, and now i got to go through it all and make all these hard decisions. i gotta, I got to be... Um, 
I got to scrutinize the characters. I got to make sure um, everything, there's continuity. I got to make sure everything matches. I, um, are the characters good? Like just these simple questions and sometimes challenging questions. That's the hardest point. So for me right now, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like we go back to this gym analogy. Um, you're going once or twice a week. You're doing good, but you're not seeing any gains. You're you, plateauing. Yeah. You really need yeah. to see that three or four times a week. And that, for a lot of people, is hard because it requires time, commitment, energy. So that's, for me right now, that's where I'm at. And so your question about the goal is the kind of, I need to, I need to figure that out for myself. I need to, I need to be um, more constructive during this period. Because we go back to the last book I wrote. This, this process here on the second or third draft that I mentioned actually took the longest. And I think that's normal. Um, some, mm-hmm. I, I wrote DK theory in like three months. Um, how many, and how many words was DK theory? Uh, <laughs> I think it's 40. Like DK is in like rotting. Yeah. Right. Um, it's about 42,000 words. Um, I think on that's the, a novella. Yeah. Yeah. So I think on the, on the, I think it's like, like 140 pages or something. Yeah. Um, as far as on the, the PDF e-reader version. Obviously, page page lengths vary depending on what they're printed on or whatever. Um, but I mean, again, that's a that's a shorter book. Um, well, t- tell us tell us about the books that you've you've uh, written. So you've got DK theory. Mm-hmm. You've got which is the only book that's that's available. Uh, right. I I haven't. I've shared other stuff I've written with people, but mm-hmm. there's nothing available on the on the internet or. or anything right now so what are, what are your big projects so DK theory is the one that's available what are yep. the other there's two other ones right yeah so I've written a fantasy book mm-hmm. um, it's intended to be a series so I'm currently so I wrote this this is the first book I mentioned that I wrote right um, and it's called seasons it so right now the title is called the ancients of seasons ancients of um, I basically realized the book wasn't very good um, quite a few years back and what I decided to do is I'm still in love with the with the world because I spent so many years building it and um, I completely revised the book like just a flat overhaul like mm-hmm. I, I wrote characters and still using the same out. lore yeah I use the same world I, I actually kept a lot of chapters um, that I felt were working I kept stuff that I thought worked but right. I, I, I ultimately rewrote the whole book um, and it was like 30,000 words longer too so um, so I just actually finished what is what I'm, I'm hoping is my last revision. Um, we, we kind of have this thing where writers are, always feel like it's never good enough and we waste a lot of time doing it. And so that's just actually a skill where at some point you gotta go, this is it. This mm. is the, this is final. I'm moving on. Um, so I, I think I'm right at that phase now. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to seek representation for this with, uh, through a literary agency. Um, we'll see how that goes. So that's kind of what I'm working on right now. I just finished like less than a month ago, uh, a new book I'm working on. Um, I can't say I can tell you exactly what the title is now. I think, I think I'm, I'm content on the title, but I, I don't usually like to stress about that stuff too early on. Um, this one's probably up DK theories alley. It's maybe more of a horror. Okay. Um, I would say it's it's kind of similar to The Shining, actually, um, except in a hotel there in the mountains. Um, so that's what I just finished. 
So in this book, they're in a hotel. No, they're they they go on an uh, an expedition to. Um, oh, they're in the mountains. In the mountains, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, don't want to talk too much about that right now because it's it's I I literally just my first draft. So okay. I might not even decide. It's I might decide it's not good enough, and I might just scrap it. But I like it, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna revise it. I'm gonna see where it goes and see how I feel about it. But um, that's that's gonna be a few months, at least a few months of work. Um, I think my goal is by the end of the year to have it kind of done. Um, if everything goes well and I'm sticking to it. So we'll we'll see how that goes, but yeah, those are like the the three that I've I've written. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at right now. So of the two that you can talk about, DK theory and Ancients and Seasons, can you give us a a bit of a synopsis on both of them? Um, yeah. So DK theory, and again, if you go, if you want to go and look up a, a little bit of a, a couple paragraph blurb on on what it's about. Well, DK theory is free, right? <laughs> yeah, it is free right now. Um, again, you can go to Kobo.com and pick up a free copy. Nice plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a few more coming out. Let's yeah. slip them in. Um, so this one's just uh, really quickly. It's about a family. Um, it's from the perspective of the mother. Um, they have two sons and they lose their eldest son to pneumonia. Mm. Um, so that's kind of where the book starts a year later after this event. And the mom especially is going through a really tough time. She's dealing with grief. Um, especially when her youngest son is, uh, waking up in the middle of the night and talking to their oldest son in his room. And you know, that kind of thing. Like it's just, it's just, she's just reliving it over and over and over again. Trauma. Yeah. So she, she decides and her uh with her husband that they should move and they go to um where her husband can actually work he takes this project he's a geologist takes this project in kind of like a remote village a remote town um so they move and they go there and they learn that maybe it's not always best to change settings um it's a uh it's a mystery novella with a supernatural element right um and yeah, you got me. You got me. Uh, I'm like, what happens here? So uh, you got that one, and then tell us about the ancients of the seasons. Um. So this is a this is a, a what you would consider a high fantasy. Okay. So, um, high high fantasy for those that don't know compared to a low fantasy a high fantasy would be something like the lord of the rings or game of thrones it's basically um the whole we're talking a different world a different world low um, fantasy different elements a low fantasy would be something like nazi zombies yeah or harry potter where it's still on earth with real people um where there's just a fantasy element that exists in the real world Mm -hmm. um Again, this isn't available. I'm not sharing it with anyone yet. Right. Um, but it's basically... Uh, it's not a dystopian world, but it's a hundred years after almost a near extinction event. So it's kind of a... I don't know if you consider it dystopian in a way. Um, where So you're in this post-apocalyptic world, and the premise is basically at one point, the, the mortal world, so like the humans and the other races, like the right. orcs and stuff, um, they came into this huge conflict with the immortal part of the world. So you right. have like, you have dragons, um, 
and there's this huge war and basically almost everyone died. Right. Um, so that's where, where my story starts. Um, because it's fantasy, you have a lot of different character viewpoints. Um, and histories. Yeah, so it, it, it's hard to throw a, a quick... Actually, I actually need to work on this, actually, because if I... If I, if I What's to, your elevator pitch? Yeah, yeah. exactly. If, if you were a literary agent right now, yeah. I would have to work on this, and this is something I am working on. I don't have it concrete yet, because yeah. I'm... Um, you know, I, ju- I just finished it, so it's... Right. it's uh, but basically, the, 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 main pers- the main protagonist is a... Um, he's a, a mixed blood of two races, which is kind of a nuanced thing. It's a... Uh, he's... He's seen as um, a lot of people look down on mm. his race, so right. he deals with this. And he's um, he's mixed blood in terms of he's a, you know human and orc. He's a human and uh, a race called Kair. So he's a human and a Kairan. Okay. Um, and the story starts where he's actually in self-imposed exile. Right. Um, he dealt with a lot of trauma in his life, and he felt he needed to pull away from the world. So he was just living on his own for ten years. And the book starts, he's pulled back in when he gets a letter that his father's missing. Um, and that kind of, that's what kind of kickstarts the start of the story. Does it, does it, so, I mean, this is what I find fascinating is because you have things like, you know, Game of Thrones, right? Mm-hmm. It starts off really strong. And this is something I'm going to ask you about. But then the ending of that show, it was like they were not working with the ending in mind. Mm-hmm. Like the last two seasons of that show are garbage. <laughs> yeah. Garbage. Because it was like things were just happening way too fast. So when you wrote the story, without giving it away, mm-hmm. did, did you have the end in mind? Yeah. And I could, uh, I, I mentioned this is something we would talk about. But so when it comes to fiction writing, there's basically two styles of writing that we we as writers will use there's discovery writing and there's outlining right um some people hold true and just stick to one they'll they're pure discovery writers yeah they and, smoke a ton of dope and they're yes. like let's see where yeah. i go with this so outlining is is evident like you can probably have storyboard yeah so yeah. You, you you sit there and you you spend time before you start writing and plan out what's going to happen you plan out kind of character arcs you plan out major events you will know the ending um, and again, this, this can change. Um, and my, uh, so my ending for this first book, like I said, it's, it's meant to be a series. So my ending for this book has changed more than once because, mm. and that's kind of a thing too, where you want, you don't want to fall into this. Oh, there's going to be a second book because if you're trying to seek representation and your and your book doesn't have a good ending, you're well, yeah, I'm working on a second one. They might just be like, oh, sorry, you're not for us because it doesn't have a good ending. Right. There's no guarantee that someone's going to buy your second book if they don't like the first. If they don't like the first book, there's almost no guarantee they're not going to buy the second book. So you need to have a good ending for your first book. So my ending in that sense has changed quite a bit. Um, that that in some sense it is climactic. Yeah, or right. it's just satisfying. It makes sense. Right. It's wrapped up enough for that first book, but yeah. there's still stuff going on. Obviously, yeah. it's an ongoing. It doesn't book. end in the middle of an un. You know, yeah. in the middle of a conflict. Yeah. Um, okay well what happens yeah so I mean if you want to look for an example uh, a good a good example would be like the first Harry Potter book he beats this um, manifestation of Voldemort who's trying to come back so at this point you know who Voldemort is but the first book has a satisfying ending he beats him boom end of the school year you know the next day the next book is going to be the start of the school year but Voldemort is still there so you have you want more 
Yeah. There's a bit so of a craving the, Yeah, there. so the first book ends, and it was satisfying, but now there's still room for more books. Right. And that's something that I really struggled with with this book, and that's just mostly being a new writer and not having that that um, that wisdom or whatever for, um, for working on that. But then discovery writing is when you kind of just sit down and write and let things come out. And... What I'm stream of consciousness. Yeah, and what I'm finding for me what works well is I kind of have a loose outline of plot and I'm starting to learn to discovery write my characters. Mm. Because the, well, I think one of the major issues I had outlining my characters too much is they weren't organic. They it, it'd be it'd be like it'd be like um, giving actors scripts and then and not letting them really act. And that's what it felt like. They just felt like these kind of stale, stick-to-the-script type beings. So how do you bring these characters to life? Well, that's the... Th I mean, that's that's the trick, really. Um, I, I don't know if I'm... I'm uh, versed enough in, or have enough have enough experience under my belt to give you a good answer, but it, it just takes you practice. You, um, and, and what's really helpful is having people read, read your work. So... Um, we call them alpha readers and beta readers. And basically your alpha readers are your close, like maybe your mom or your dad or your sister. Um, and also if you have an agent, your agent, people that you trust. Um, that can be other writing friends that can give you really good feedback. Yeah. And then your beta readers are kind of like your, your just general audience. That right. People that, oh, I like this book. Please send more. Yeah. Um, so having those so readers. Are typically they're a little bit more agreeable. Yes, alpha so, readers can be more constructive. Yeah, so just feedback. really simply, alpha readers are probably your writing friends, your agent. Um, right. Beta readers are, are if you're an author and you have a, a reading list, people that you send your book out to or your pre your pre released book. Those are your beta readers, your your audience, your close audience, the people that you trust that um, that support you. So ha having though having reader, and I don't have a lot of this in my life at the moment, which is unfortunate, but having that. Um, criticism that feedback mm. early on is really helpful because sometimes you don't you don't see the same thing that someone else is when you read it and I mean, and you have a level of attachment to it like oh exactly. you want me to get rid of that and part that, that's killing your babies that, yes that, and and that is like sometimes a character just doesn't work and yeah um that's that's kind of the problem when you outline too you're too strict with your outline and that that's something I learned really early on so I'm kind of adjusting to that a bit um that whole being organic thing. And so I still like to, and especially for this fantasy world, there's a lot of world building. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's right. a lot of history. There's a lot of connections and lore. And so that's, for me, I'm not comfortable just discovery writing that because I like to know all the stuff as I'm writing because it comes into to the, these characters' cultures and these characters' opinions and how they view the world. If you're just discovering that stuff as you're writing you're going to spend a lot of time going back and making this stuff work and make sense, which people do do, and it works for them. I just don't like it. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a good point, is like uh, you have this sort of eclectic approach of you have an outline, you have your skeleton, but then as you're writing, you, you add more structure to it. Like, for example, if you're in a conversation with a character and it's like the guy, he walks into a bar and he's trying to find this person, in real life, if you did that, you wouldn't walk up and be like, where's Harold, right? You'd walk up and be like, yeah, I'll have a drink and you'll have a yeah. conversation and then it'll come up, like you mm -hmm. say. But 
sometimes when we're writing these characters, and I know I've been guilty of it, is it's very like they're stiff, they're rigid, and they're just trying to get the objective mm-hmm. done without really enjoying the journey, so mm-hmm. to speak. Like you watch Lord of the Rings, and you know, I don't know the characters, but he comes up and he's got a pint, and he's like, I got a pint, I'm gonna get hammered, right? So it's not just about them getting to their objective, mm-hmm. they're enjoying it or whatever mm-hmm. along the way. Yeah. Is that, it, you want to add more of that is what you're saying. Yeah, and and a, a good distinction here, and, and this is something I, again, learned after um, after kind of my failed first run-through of this book, was you're not putting your characters in there um, to, to move along with the plot. Um, you want your characters to drive the plot. So, and, and this goes back to this right. whole ideas are cheap thing. If you have good characters, you could your story, your plot could even be a little boring. But if your readers are into your characters, that is a huge advantage. That's the investment piece. And I, I spent I spent a lot of time going back to the outlining where I spent so much time trying to outline these really really cool ideas, and I wanted these ideas to be sick. And my characters were bland. So people people were kind of getting lost. They weren't really falling. They, they they just weren't into it because the characters weren't doing anything for them. Um, so that's that's a huge part. And a lot of authors will say your characters are the most important part of your book. Um, and I think that's that's totally true. They are the blood vessels that carry the oxygen throughout yeah. your body. Yeah, and right? and then this that's is, great. You got a set of lungs. It's got to work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I kind of. I, I don't regret it. I mean, I'm trying not to, to have regrets, but I, I feel like I did waste a lot of time mm. trying to push this book because I had a, I, th- I thought I had a good idea yeah. and I, I wasn't really focusing on the problems and the problems at the time were largely my characters. And that's because I, I outlined them and I put them in the plot to serve the plot. But really, you want your characters to be the driving force of your book. Well, and, and, and I've found that in my own writing because I try to write every day from my blog and it's like uh, it's going to be shit until you do it mm-hmm. right you have to do it and the act of continuing to do things it gets better mm-hmm. right but until then like I, I, I have worries about like I'm putting this out there and it's like oh my goodness am I going to look like an idiot so and I probably will but that's also how you get better. You have to kind of take that, swallow it, right? Swallow your pride or whatever, and just go for it. So how do you deal with criticism and failure? Um, well, still being a, a new author, I, I haven't had the, um, let's, we'll say the years of experience that, for, that other authors who, who are well-known do, obviously. Um, but yeah, that's a big obstacle to overcome. And uh, we were talking before we started um, airing this podcast. I, I was talking to you about um, pitching my, my my book to an agent, um, and this is this is super stressful. It's basically applying for a job. And to go back to this, if you're unemployed, you need a job, right? You got you got to feed yourself. Yeah. So you have to put yourself out there. You right. have to apply to these jobs, even if you don't think you're the right fit, even if you're not totally qualified. You still need to do it. Yeah. Now there's nothing. I, I I'm I, I have a job, so my, my writing's not paying the bills right now. I like it to pay the bills. Um, Me neither. So <laughs> for, it's not quite the, it's not quite the same. It's a passion. Yeah, it's yeah. not quite the same as being unemployed and needing a job because you need right. to live. But 
Um, it is, yeah, whenever you do something, um, if you're, if you're an artist, like, I, you know, when I was playing, whenever I wrote songs or I was playing guitar, I had that feeling every time I had an audience or I was sharing it with someone, oh, they're going to think this is crap or maybe this isn't that good. And these are thoughts that will go through your head no matter what. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, you just got to learn to, I mean, if you, there are people who are just like, ah, oh, screw it. Yeah. Like, I don't care what anyone thinks. Right. And <laughs> honestly, that's not a bad way to be. Yeah. Um, you, you write the book that you want to read. Yeah, and, and not and, not what you want the audience yeah, to read. And that's something I'm I'm trying to I, I don't want to say persuade myself, but I I actually uh, I was talking to someone um the other day and they I they kinda asked me a similar question and because I told them I was having a hard time um just with the whole COVID nineteen thing going on, just writing and having a routine. Because I my you see my office, my office is six feet from us right now. And and then <laughs> yeah. and then I walk over and I start writing and it's really hard. Right. Um and so it's any, creating that space to set in the yeah, setting. Yeah. And yeah. so anyways, the, the question was basically, well, um, cause I, I think he asked, or I, I said, I, I'm a little unsure of, of my, um, my book right now. I think I was talking about the fantasy book and I'm like, I, I you know, it's, it could be better. I know it could be better. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's like, well, do I, do I just say, yeah, I don't move on or do I really push to try to see if anyone wants to represent me? And, um, anyways, long story short, the question was basically, well, are you going to keep writing even in the face of failure? And obviously at the time, the, 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 the easy question was yes, but um, I, had to, I actually thought that this was an interesting question because if, I, if you were to tell me right now that I would never become a famous author and I you know, probably only sell a few dozen copies of anything and that's really about it, would you keep writing? And... That's hard because <laughs> if you know you're going to fail at something for the rest of your life, you're going to be like, ooh, maybe I should do something else. But if it's your passion and you like doing it anyways, who cares? And that's kind of where... Is that really failure? Well, yeah. And, and it's like what you said. I want to write what I want to write. And that's, that for me, that's, that's kind of true. I have, I have so many ideas. I could write you uh, a 600-page book of all the book ideas I have and... Unfortunately, even if I was the best writer on the planet and the most efficient, I would never get them done. But I'm still going to do it anyways. I'm still going to write books and I'm still going to do it even if it doesn't warrant success. Okay. So, so, so the, the goal of becoming successful and famous, that's not holding you back from doing what you want to do in terms of your creativity. Yeah. And I, it, it, it's kind of this uh, a good, funny way to think about this. I used to play baseball. and. Right. Um, you, you have a lot of – you can actually see this in the major leagues. You can see these guys and um, – uh, they go for these huge home run swings and then they strike out. And the the thought mm -hmm. here is, if you want to hit a home run, obviously these are professional players. So I'm not trying to. There's a huge difference between professional players and average blokes like myself. But if you're going up to the plate every time and you're, I'm swinging for the fences. I'm going to hit a home run. You're probably not going to. <laughs> when you hit the home runs, and I, you know, I did, I wasn't a huge home run hitter. I was I was more of like a single double hitter. Um, the home runs I hit, I wasn't even thinking about it. All I went up there was I'm going to make contact with the ball. And when I did, boom, it would go over the fence. It's kind of kind of like that, right? You don't want to sit here and go, oh, I, this book's going to make me famous. and yeah, I'm going to make millions. Yeah, because like we were saying yeah. earlier in the podcast is, that, you know, that's kind of like the one percentile, right? Your chances are that's not going to happen. And that's just that's just math, simple statistics. And that's cool. Um the trick or whatever you want to call it is to just, you enjoy doing it and you stick to it. Yeah. 
and you might you might find success right you can't be held back by this this idea of i need to be famous or i'm just gonna give up the other thing too it's this idea of selling your soul to the devil right you write a book that you hate and that becomes you and then that's what you have to keep doing and keep producing and you hate it Mm -hmm. right like think about you know think about uh this is a poor analogy, but Justin Bieber, like his music is shit lyrically. Like the themes are garbage. Mm-hmm. Whereas you have somebody like well, he has one of the most disliked videos on YouTube. His his baby baby music video is one of the most uh, thumbs down videos <laughs> on the internet. Yeah, and, and and I don't mean to hate on Justin Bieber. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that me as a as who I am, I'm a deep thinking person, you know, and I'd be creating more like Slipknot level music of like you know, whatever, down with the power, public enemy kind of stuff. Whereas he is kind of pigeonholed into like, I just want a girlfriend kind of music. Yeah. And for me, I love you girl. If I became super famous for doing something that isn't representative of me, that would, that would kill me inside. Mm-hmm. Does that, does that make sense? What I just yeah, said? That's yeah. a, yeah, that's, um, that's an interesting point. I, ca- I call it selling your soul to the devil. Yeah, because you're doing, or you're just considered a sellout as well. It, uh, and you know, band when we talk about music, band, yeah. bands do this too. Where, and I don't want to, I don't want to go into this because I, I don't want people to get upset if I say someone they actually really like. But yeah, there's certain bands. Sorry, Justin Bieber fans. Yeah, yeah there's certain certain bands where their audience they want to start mm. tailoring to a mainstream audience, and what they end up doing is, which is basically referred to as being sellouts, is yeah. where they they try to tailor to the mainstream audience. And then they lose a huge portion of their loyal fans because their music is so different. And they lose something in that process. Because because of their success, they have to produce a certain sound. You got to do three albums just like that. And they do it. And it's like, this is, Mm -hmm. you know, they might have four massive hits. But the rest is like, this is, they've lost who they are. And I guess that's my question is. How do we as creative people not lose who we are? Yeah. When we find success. Yeah, and that's hard. I mean, I can't really, I can't really, uh, I can't really speak to that because I, I have, I'm not, I'm not a successful writer. Um, but. But could you see that being a problem? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that that can come into any part of your life. Mm-hmm. I think people do that. I'm gu- I'm certainly guilty of this being kind of a wallflower personality type type guy where. I sometimes feel like I have to act to the crowd and you know, we, we play Wonderwall. Okay, <laughs> fine. Yeah. Well, we, we look at, we look at something, we, uh, a sort of a, an analogy. It would be like if you're single and you're, you're trying to find dates or you're trying to, mm-hmm. you know, find attraction and stuff. If you're not being yourself, you might struggle with that. Is anybody themselves on their first date? Yeah. But you know what I mean, right? right? Like if, if yeah. like people are attracted to you, if you're constantly yes. trying to act like someone different or you're yeah. trying to you're trying to tailor to what you think they like or whatever, it doesn't come across as genuine anymore. Yeah. And it feels forced. Yeah, a lot of people do this. And this yeah. this can be seen in any it can be seen in your personal life, it can be seen in your work, it can be seen in your business, whatever. What's weird is that uh, I kinda look back at myself. Sometimes I'm driving and like I have a like a flashback of how I used do to you be. You actually drive person. like that? Yeah, I drive ten and two. <laughs> always ten and two. <laughs> And I'll be like, oh my God, because I'll think of something that I did when I was 21 and I thought I was being my true self, but it was not Mm -hmm. an authentic representation of who I was, Mm -hmm. which I think as an artist is kind of difficult because we can look back at our work and be like, oh my God, that's Mm -hmm. embarrassing. Yeah. Right. Self-reflection is important. 
Yeah. Yeah. But but who we are, who we were then, is just not who we are. We're constantly developing. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's that's the problem with regrets and stuff, right? Yeah. And that's something I've struggled a lot with too. Um, you know, like I, I mentioned a couple of times, trying not to regret mistake because like you said like i made a lot of mistakes early in my we'll call it writing career when i started writing um seriously where i didn't know stuff and i i did dumb things like i like i said i was telling you before i shared my very first draft of anything i wrote with a whole bunch of people yeah and it it, it sucked like <laughs> it wasn't very good what did they say well most i don't even think most people read it hmm that's another, great. Another, well, another thing too is a lot of people they'll and they mean well they'll be like oh yeah i'll read it but they just don't yeah, I mean, pe- people go. They want to be encouraging, but they're... yeah, yeah, and that that's that happens. Um, but yeah. I, I do, I did, I did have to like pry a few people. Like, I, I know you read it, so like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, give me feedback. And a few people actually did give feedback. Um, right. You know, I think a lot of them were trying to be sensitive to me, uh, yeah. to my feelings and stuff. So, but I, I, I kind of read between the lines. I'm like, okay, there's a common theme here. A lot of them were bored, especially early on in the book. So something wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Um. So, I mean, at the same time, I regret sharing it with so many people when I know it wasn't ready to be shared with people, but I learned a lot. And so, yeah, I wasted a lot of time. I could, if I could go back and do it all over again, of course, I'd be way more efficient and get right. more done. Um, but I, I, this is a learning process. I mean, we learn through failure, right? So We don't learn through success, <laughs> right? Well, it, it, like, um, this is just a... a point like if you're you're a one-hit wonder your very first book you just throw yeah. it out there boom and you're successful overnight how do you know now for your second book what if your second book is just garbage yeah. people have this expectation you've set the bar so yeah. high but you've only written one book yeah most authors out there that publish books regularly and that's what they do they write dozens of books you know how many books actually stephen king has written it blew my mind he's written like 60 or something oh yeah a lot and on top of that, he has other published stuff too. He's got novellas and short stories, most of which I've never even heard about. So, yeah. I almost wonder that if to have immediate success would be, like, you know, that might almost be a tragedy in and of itself. It could Because it's be. like, okay, well now what do I do? Mm-hmm. Right? You know, you, well, you don't and there's know. There's this constant expectation and yeah. you don't know who you are as an artist. Yeah. So you keep producing and then that's how you get pigeonholed to selling yourself to the devil. Yeah. So to speak, right? Because you're like, I don't know what else to do. They really like that. I'm going to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. And then, and sure, maybe you have your cult following but you as a person, you're like, who, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Right? I've lost myself. Yeah. Yeah, having initial success would be cool. Like, you, yeah, I mean, to, and then you don't yeah. have to spend ten years perfecting your craft. Right. But, um, yeah, you you don't have that knowledge, right? Like, like I like I've said before, um, earlier, uh, you know, with music or whatever. There's people out there who are great. Like, there's there's authors out there that that write books. Like I said, I've never even heard of. Um, and they write really good books. And they're just, they're not famous or anything, right? Do you think it's because they don't want to be famous? Um, I don't know about that. Uh, I think everyone wants to be successful. I think everyone wants to... Yeah. When it, like, for me... But, but that, that depends on what is the definition of success. Yes. Like, if you were to ask me, do you want to be a, a famous author? I'd probably be lying if I said no. Right. I would love to be a famous author. <laughs> yeah. But right, I, I'm, right now, I'm, I would like you know, kind of like baby steps, I would like to be able to have 
writing as my job. Like that's right. what I do. That's what I spend X amount of hours a day. I, I can feed myself. I pay, yeah. I pay my utility bills. Yeah. Um, that's what I would like. So well, I would, yeah, for me, that's the stone I'm trying to get to before I get to that. You know, I'm never going to stop reaching. I want to, you know, I would, like I said, I'd like to be a successful, well-known author. Um, but that's, that's, I'm not letting that kind of blind my, the stepping stones to right. get there. Right. Um, so yeah, I think it's important to have that, to have those, we'll call them achievable goals. Yeah. And I think that's important for anything in your life. Right. I, you know, the other thing too about success and success is such a strange thing, but to become successful at a young age when your brain isn't developed, I think is another very dangerous thing, right? Like it's almost better to figure it out. You're 30 now, mm -hmm. right? Now's a good time. You know who you are. Now's a good time to have some success, some notoriety in what you do. But imagine if when you were 12 mm -hmm. and people were like, man, you're an amazing star. There's no wonder why people get addicted to Coke, right? Like, they're like, yeah, I can do whatever I want because you don't or know who you are. Stupid shit. Say on stupid camera. shit, yeah. right? Because they don't. They just don't have life, don't the life skills it. or the life experience. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I kind of feel for some people like that because it's like, damn, they never had mm. a chance to be a kid. Yeah. Right? And we talk about failures and criticisms. It's a great time to experience it when you're young and you're not crushed by it. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, and then when you're older, you can kind of take it. Yeah. Right? So, uh, the sort of the last question is you talked about self-publishing and traditional publishing. Yeah. So, for those that don't know... Um, really quick there's basically two forms of publishing if um self-publishing which has really taken off over maybe the last like, 10 years mm -hmm. um this was sort of a not really a thing if you go further back and that is basically so for me um, how i did it was i found a platform you got like amazon you got kobo there's there's other ones you too. can sell anything on amazon right yeah well um, <clears throat> so yeah they have these publishing platforms where yeah. you put your work on there and um, for, so in the case of Amazon, which I don't know, uh, which I don't use, sorry, but I do know about, um, you put it on there, you use a platform, they market it for you They have these little advertisements when you're on there and stuff, you can search for it. Um, they take royalties though. So I, I think it's 70%. So if your book is $3, then you get, they take 70%. No, sorry. You get 70. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, Shit. if your book is three bucks, quick math, you get like two twenty or something. Yeah. Um, so that, that's how that works. So basically you're giving them a little bit of money. I use Kobo, which is actually free for me. Um, I get a hundred percent of my royalties. The catch is they actually don't pay me until I make at least $50 a month, which oh. doesn't seem like a lot, but as a new author, you'd be very surprised. Yeah. Uh, I haven't got a paycheck yet. So that just shows, <laughs> shows you how much. I'm yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> But right now... We're holding this for yeah, you in trust. Yeah, it basically. But right now my book is free, and that's part of the, part of the reason. I'm trying to just... For me, it's just I, I just want people to... Get it to, out there. I'm more... I'd rather see that I've... I've People have read 500 copies than I've made $500. Mm -hmm. To me, that, that money right now is not that important. Right. Um, so that's, that's basically what self-publishing is. You're cutting out the publisher. You're doing a lot of that yourself. Um, there's a lot of disagreement between... So you can have like someone professionally edit your work. You can have right. someone 
I actually have a friend of mine who does digital artwork. She did a, she did my book cover for me. So I paid her 70 bucks. Yeah. Um, that's really all I spent on this book, by the way. So everything else I did myself. That and time, of course. And time. <laughs> the which ultimate is, resource. Yeah, the ultimate. Yeah, which yeah. is probably a crazy amount of money if you think about it. Um, so that, that's kind of how, how it worked for me is I, I wrote it, I revised it, I edited it all myself. I paid for a book cover. Um, I found a platform that was free, Kobo, and I put it on there. And that's kind of self-publishing in a nutshell. Um, now, there's obviously a lot more going on when you, if you want to like print your book. Right. You pay, you'll pay a company to put it in print, which is expensive. Editing uh, services are very expensive too, right. which is why I didn't do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah, that's... Very it's, expensive. It's, it's super expensive. Yeah. It's like uh, just like... Because um, it's based on the amount of words. Yeah. And like yeah. a cheap, cheap is like two cents a word. Now from this book, my book is 42,000 words, which is small. Right. Two cents. That just, think yeah. about how yeah. expensive yeah. that yeah. is. Yeah. That's yeah. like $4,000. Yeah. That's expensive. That you might not get back. No, you probably won't. You're almost certainly not getting that back. Right. Um, traditional publishing is where you have a book. You will look for an agency, yeah, and ergo an agent, right? Who you want to represent you. So what you do, and there's a process here. It's pretty formal. It's you. you it's called a query letter. It's like a resume. You yeah. Put it on there. This is why I think you should represent me. My book is so and so. Blah blah blah. Hi, bye. And then you send it to them, and then they go, Hey, I would like to read your manuscript, which is basically your your work. Um, they read it. If everything goes well, they make you an offer. Um, you can accept, you can search around for someone that might be a better fit. Then what they do is they do all that legwork that you could have done or maybe skipped for right. the self-publishing. They pay for it to be edited, copy edited, which is basically like if your paragraph structures are horrible, like they'll have someone professionally like construct it and all that stuff. They'll edit it. Um, and then they do the marketing and they do the searching for the publisher. 